This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This week on Red Dead Radio, US Gamer is here in the studio. Right here. Oh right, my God. Right here. Hi, friends. Welcome to Red Dead Radio, the Red Dead Redemption podcast. I'm your host, Jared Petty, and as always, we're going straight to the Wild Wild Guest. We're going straight to the Wild Wild Guest. We're going straight to the Wild Wild Guest. Yeah! Wild Wild Guest is Cat Bailey, editor-in-chief of US Gamer, here to talk about Red Dead Redemption 2 and skinning deer and cowboys and y- and all the crazy stuff that's have, going on. Have you skinned? Have you skinned a cowboy? I've not skinned a cowboy. Did I say skinning a cowboy? You know, skinning deer, well, skinning, skinning bears, deer and cowboys. No, it could have been taken either way. I was just hoping there was a cowboy skinning mini game. Well, I we know that humans are the most dangerous games. So we do indeed know that. Uh, yeah. What's that guy's name? Maybe Jeff? the skin because there's a. I don't know. A yeah. <gasps> Shocking. Shocking Shock. indeed. Yeah, we want to we want to avoid too many spoilers here. So we'll save that for the end of the show. What? Right now we're going to be spoiler free and then we're going to work toward the end there because just some disregard all of that. You heard nothing. Actually, I might do that thing where they put like the like over the voice right there, a little thing over your mouth. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Anyway, uh, Kat Bailey, you are the editor-in-chief of US Gamer. Sure am. And we have a partnership with y'all um, or you have a partnership with us. You do all kinds of things. Just very quickly for folks who aren't familiar with US Gamer, what do y'all do? We are a website that is owned by the Gamer Network. That means our sister site is Eurogamer and VG247 and Rock Paper Shotgun. And we talk about all of the different video games and we have a ton of coverage about red dead redemption 2 right now and i have a little podcast called acts of the blood god it's us gamers official rpg podcast um we just did our top five favorite cowboys in rpgs yes who's your number one favorite rpg cowboy our number one favorite rpg cowboy is rose oh my god she's from fallout new vegas and oh, from yeah. me rose of sharon cassidy nice yes yeah. okay i got the name right rose that's of sharon yeah that's yeah. a fairly common the complex name it so is. it is i bet i i wait, the first time i counted rose of sharon as a name is grapes of wrath i think yes that's, yes uh, yes exactly the daughter from that oh that's and she dies name. quoting uh the great gatsby Ooh, good yeah. choice thank you i think that was a good choice too but we also had Irving Kinneas and a few others from uh, so go check out that list uh, it's, we actually did an article about it on the site and of course for Red Dead Redemption 2 is this the part where I get to plug all of the Red, Red Dead Redemption 2 through. stuff you get to plug all oh, through as a matter of fact see normally I would have this thing where I read Red Dead Radio is produced in partnership with you yes. which I, but yes. you're here so I how about here. instead you just tell people about that <clears throat> Red Dead Radio is produced in partnership with US Gamer. You can follow us online on all of the social medias at US Gamer Net. Follow me at the underscore catbot and make sure to check out all of our great Red Dead Redemption content, including our review. We did a thing about the intro and the, the pacing thereof. We did a thing about how the hunting is not for the faint of heart. It's a little bit, can make, make you a little queasy, I think, at times. And we also did a thing about how John, or sorry, Arthur Morgan is the wokest cowboy. The wokest cowboy. I have, I have not watched or read this yet. Uh, yeah. who, who wrote that article? That would be Mike Williams. Okay, I can't wait to read that. The, the reviewer of uh, yes. The Redemption 2. I need to read that, uh, definitely. Also, we want to thank our Patreon producers, Tom Box, Stuart Ferguson, and Jonathan, whose generous support makes the show possible. They, like you, went to reddeadradio.com. You want to support us there because uh, this is my job? You can do that. And we're also supported today by our sponsors, Prof and Dev. We'll get to that very soon. Uh, but right now, I think it's time to talk actually about this wonderful video game that we've had now a few days with. Yeah, um, I mean, there's so much to break down. It's actually pretty amazing. We were sitting, we've been talking on Slack. Our entire team is obviously playing it because who isn't playing Red Dead Redemption right now? Right. And I mean, th- something new and crazy and different comes up all the time. Uh, today, we were talking about the role of uh, Native Americans in uh, the game and uh, having some thoughts on that. And we're I can't really dive into that a whole heck of a amount because they're much further than I am. Okay. But, I mean, to me, that just 
went to show that we're going to be picking this game apart for quite a long time. Well, you have eight years to put a project together. Uh, I, I wonder how long it takes to dissect that amount of work, uh, especially since it's going to be a game as a service that will continue changing. But I mean, I could be sitting and writing articles about GTA uh, 5 right now, and that game's a five-year-old game. And, uh, and if you look at uh, just what uh, people are, were writing about the original Red, Red, Red Dead Redemption, we had a whole thing about a particular music cue. I, I was talking to a friend of mine who's in the uh, orchestra, the soundtrack business in video games. He's a composer, and he was talking about how, in his opinion, Red Dead Redemption Two kind of changed game music. Ooh, the original, the original Red Dead. Oh, Redemption. Red Redemption One. Yes. Expound, if you don't mind me asking. Well, in the way that they uh, overlaid vocals on certain like soundtracks and just made use of that, that that was a fairly pioneering thing. Yes, mm-hmm. which is kind of strange to think because you would think that. We would have had vocals in over action scenes and that kind of thing in games before that, and we did with like say Bayonetta. But Red Dead Redemption was very much at the kind of the forefront in the way that it used its soundtrack to really set the mood in wonderful ways, like in the final moments when you're kind of riding toward home and such. Yeah, it does absolutely nail that. I mean, everybody remembers Mexico, but there's a lot of moments like that scattered throughout the game. My favorite use of music in Red Dead, which is also utilized in different ways in Red Dead Two is that I think it's John Ryan that observed this those moments where you get off your horse your feet hit the ground and the guitar twangs once mm. like that really is just straight out of film but the synchronized kind of bring and then it gets real quiet again but for a second you're you're Sergio Leoning it all up and it's kind of a beautiful beautiful thing um we talked uh cat you're playing it what do you think wow well, that's a big question <laughs> <laughs> yes it is but it's a big show so you can go for it uh, is it okay for me to say that I'm really digging it? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Okay, I'm really digging it a lot, actually. Yeah. I've known that some people were saying that it was a pretty slow to start, but I actually really enjoyed the intro for the most part mm-hmm. because, well, first of all, I'm just a sucker for snow. I'm a sucker for mountains, mountains, mountains again, Gandalf, and all that stuff, even though I didn't grow up around mountains. And so it's so... When it opens and the first thing you see are those carriages coming over the mountainscape, I mean, it reminded me of the opening to Hateful Eight, which, I mean, it all feels very Tarantino-y yeah. in many respects, which isn't a bad thing. In my opinion, I am a Tarantino fan. I will go see his movies when they come out on theaters, and I enjoyed Hateful Eight, even if it was kind of a Western epic Reservoir Dogs, I suppose. I just like you more and more the more you talk. You started with quoting Bilbo, and you've worked <laughs> to, to talking about Tarantino. We're we're on the same page here entirely. This yes. is great. Um, so it's a good tutorial sequence. It does everything it needs to do to teach you how to do things. You're constantly doing interesting things, like you're hunting, yes. you're robbing a train, you're doing all of these neat things in the beginning, the opening moments of Red Dead Redemption, and then it turns you loose. In the tutorialized sections, I was shocked by how much I enjoyed them because I don't enjoy tutorials in games uh, almost uniformly. Uh, and it's very, yeah, I hate very, them. It's very rare that you have that subverted. But I do think for a game like this where the controls are remarkably complex and there's so many activities to engage in, you kind of have to have it. Uh, yeah. I think just setting us loose in the world would have just all gotten angry. Do you agree with that? Or, or? Well, yeah, for sure. And I, it reminds me of what they did with White Orchard and Witcher 3, mm-hmm. where in uh, Witcher 3 you have kind of a little area, it's a little sandbox to kind of test all of your things and do various tutorial missions, and then it turns you loose in the wider world. Same with Breath of the Wild on the, yeah. on the Great Plateau, right? Yeah, a lot of developers took that as just a, a remarkable thing. Um, I was talking to Mike Laidlaw from BioWare at GDC, and he was just waxing poetic about how incredible he thought White Orchard mm-hmm. was as, from a game design standpoint. So it's not a surprise. I I don't know if Rockstar lifted it wholesale, but that that was the vibe that I got with it. What I was shocked by was, uh, and and this spoils nothing for anyone that hasn't played beyond the first couple of hours, was that you could go on a mundane skill learning mission mm-hmm. and have key revelatory plot points take place in the middle of what would otherwise be the annoying throwaway. Oh, I'm going out with the kid to catch a fish. And whoa, did not see that coming. And there's yeah. a lot of that in the early game. That's really good writing and, and good game design. And I was I was struck by that. So once you were set loose on the world. Yeah, once I was set loose on the world. So 
I suppose that is this the part where we get to talk about like all the crazy stuff that we've been doing? Yeah, what we're gonna do today, I, we're, we're gonna talk some about choice and consequence. Soon. Mm. We're mixing those sections together here, but we have a long list of stories, anecdotes that people okay. have written in. So what I'd Ooh. like to do is hear your thoughts in the game, your thoughts about how the open world versus the storytelling and the consequence pans out, and your cool anecdotes, and then we're gonna read through some of these together. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Okay, let's do this thing. Yeah. So. So I mean, there's a lot to talk about, but when we got when you get into the open world for the first time it's actually fairly overwhelming because you're in this camp right and they're like all right go on make some money or something do stuff and you're like "Uh, okay and then you but of course you you feel like you're reasonably well prepared i I was having a little bit of trouble with the inventory at first because Mm -hmm. i I, I guess like I was checking my horse, but I couldn't find my guns, and so I thought my that I didn't have guns. So I was trying to figure out how to get more guns. Just that L and R like selection thing on the yeah the menus are are more complicated. Well, I didn't things. realize that it's, I had to get on the horse to be able to access that stuff. Right. I don't know what the heck was going on. In any case, it was fairly like a little too complicated for its own good. But ultimately, I did find my guns. Okay. But in the meantime, I went into town with my knife. Um, <laughs> It was just me and my knife. You and your knife, okay. Yeah, and there was a moment where I got into this wrestling match with a guy, and we're wrestling around, and I'm trying to figure out how to fight, and I'm kind of hitting a lot of different buttons, and he's punching me around, and then all of a sudden, I'm stabbing him. Oh, so you accidentally drew your knife? Yeah, I guess I had my knife, and I was stabbing him and stabbing him and stabbing him, and I'm like... And, like, I was there with a couple of my housemates, and we just went, whoa! <laughs> like, it was kind of shocking in its violence, and we, we were kind of, we couldn't believe it. And and then at that point, I was just like, well, this is my new best friend, Knifey. Okay. And so <laughs> I'm walking around down the street, and I'm like, knife goes in, knife goes out, knife goes in, knife goes out. Were you just, like, wiping the town out? Or, no, or? I was just drawing it, sheathing it, Sorry, drawing it, sheathing it. Okay. At one point, this guy... Uh, starts yelling at me or he starts he he says something mean to me as i'm walking past yeah and so i just start walking after him i don't know why menacingly and he looks over his shoulder yeah and he goes what are you doing and he's like walking faster and i'm like knife knife that's great come meet knifey and he starts running away and i'm chasing him into the forest like a freaking serial killer and then finally i caught up to him in the in the dank woods and i'm strangling him and i'm just like oh what should i do and then the next thing you know knifey is like going to town again just can't control knifey <laughs> Cat, uh you're not carrying a knife right now are you knife goes in knife, knife goes, goes out, out. <laughs> yeah so did you, did you buy the skull mask to go with it so you can be a proper i'm Michael not a Myers? serial killer in games okay i'm not that kind of person except for this man that you followed outside of town yeah well he was kind of a jerk okay <laughs> But and then of course the bounty system kicked in and I'm like running around trying yeah. to avoid that and it's like well it will remember that you murdered somebody. What is it about the knife goes in knife goes out that you found so enjoyable? I just thought because I didn't know where the heck my guns were and I yeah. just I only had this knife and it had completely taken on me off guard. Yeah. I'm just going okay well I've got my new buddy knifey here yeah. and and you won the wrestling match. Yeah and I guess the game is so uh, kind of immersive immersive and full of detail that I just naturally start to make my own stories about things that are happening mm-hmm. within the games so i find myself uh, i i've collected a fairly large arsenal of weapons now and i fooled around a lot with the crafting so i'm getting some really cool stuff the moment i read the words homing tomahawk um mm. i was definitely intrigued uh but i'll often select the weapon that i feel like makes the better moment um and, and what i mean by that is it, I, i'm very pragmatic in most situations but if if somebody's just walking by, I'm like, I could shoot you, but, but, but homing tomahawk. Yeah, you're right here, and it just feels so right in the firelight to see you drop silently in the darkness. I I like the way the weapons feel. I like that they feel violent. Um, it, it's a visceral game. Sometimes it is. So one of the things I like a lot about Red Dead Redemption Two is I find a lot of open world games actually pretty boring and. I don't want to name names or anything, but often I just feel completely disconnected from them because mm-hmm. I just don't feel like I can make my own story. Everything is so set on making the smoothest, most enjoyable experience that I just feel like I'm doing busy work. I'm okay. completing all of the different things on the map. 
Uh, Breath of the Wild didn't have that. I That's why I really enjoyed Breath of the Wild. Witcher 3, once I finally got into, like, really got into it, like, I fell completely in love with it and felt like I was really a part of that world. Mm-hmm. Other open world games just feel really shallow to me. They feel the height of gaming so like checklisty or checklisty like mm-hmm. i just i feel like i'm playing a video game and that's yeah. not always a bad thing but when there's no strategy or depth or anything i'm just doing busy work effectively mm-hmm. i'm collecting yeah. stuff i'm you know doing whatever I, I and invariably because they're putting so much emphasis on the world the rest of the co- the mechanics can't be as good okay uh, it just is not a satisfying experience to me. I'd rather have something deeper, more strategic, more layered, um, more bespoke, I suppose. And then, but Red Dead Redemption 2, a lot of have seen people complaining about the level of detail in every interaction. Mm-hmm. And normally I would be given to complaining about that as well because it is a little wasteful to be like, here's a little animation for every, like I'm opening my drawer and I'm putting stuff in my pocket and now I'm taking a bath and I can choose... Like, all of the different things I'm going to shave. And, oh, look, a lady just came in. And this is taking a long... T- like, if I were playing another game, mm-hmm. it would have been, like, one little animation. Whoop, do, 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 do. Yep. Uh, all clean. Exactly. All done. Yeah. yeah. A little River City Ransom guy comes out, and he's, like, cleaning his little rear yeah. end, and then you're done. That's Ching. That. Like, you know, like, my teeth are shining. Uh, or, like, when my character is shaving. Like, in another game, we'd be like... Uh, right? Boom, boom, as they would say in NBA 2K. But uh, (laughs) because there's a bit where you're you're shaving and like they just spin the the barber's chair and then you pop on, you're like, hair, beard. And then with, uh, but in Red Dead Redemption 2, like you're like, so okay, how, what level do I want to go down to? And what part of my face am I shaving in this like particular moment? And the level of detail is ridiculous. It's almost too much, but at the same time, it puts me in the game. Well, how does it do it? Why do you like it? it? Breaking it down for a moment, what about that is hooking you? What's pulling you in and making that difference? I just feel like I'm part of the world yeah. because I, I, you're doing so many little things at any given time. Mm-hmm. There, there are these survival elements. There are little jobs that you can take on, The playing the poker games and that kind of thing. Like... Normally, that kind of stuff is so shallow that I just want to completely ignore it and just try and get through the game as fast as possible. But in last night, I was playing multiple games of hands of poker, and they're yeah. like sitting there talking. My opponents are sitting there talking with one another and going on about different stuff while I'm focusing on my cards. And I just can't believe the level of detail that goes into this ridiculous game. And I kind of love it. I'm with that. I'm with you on that. That's been my reaction as well. And I know not everybody has had the same response, but for me, that is both what I expected based on it, because there was a lot of truth in marketing on this game. It really was. I I, uh, I have to commend them for that. They gave us what they promised. I mean, um, I'm when it comes to making playing a game, I guess... For me, I just have to be able to feel immersed in the game or to the point where I am creating my own stories in my head. Mm-hmm. Often, I don't necessarily care what the developers are actually writing. Like, I respect the the role of the writers, and I've played plenty of games with good stories, yeah. right? But when I truly fall in love with a game is when I feel like I am creating the story. And to my surprise, I feel like I am kind of doing that when I was going, like, knifey, right? Yeah. Like, that was my own stupid story that I was kind of... The story of Knifey. Yes, the story of Knifey. Everyone's favorite children's book. The Ballad of Knifey. <laughs> the Ballad of Knifey. That sounds like, a, sounds like a game you could buy on Steam. <laughs> uh, I'd probably buy The Ballad of Knifey. That sounds like a, we, we ought to make that. So let me ask you this then. You have this, this marvelous openness. How do you feel that that works in conjunction or intention with the story-based elements of the game, around the gang, around the, the, the parts of the game that are... I don't want to use the word required, that's not right, but which which bring you through a kind of interactive narrative that you may take out of order, but which is still ultimately, to some degree, a scripted narrative. How, how do you feel those two things are working together? Mike Mahardy was on recently talking about how he felt that it gave him a sense of consequence, uh, the way those two things interacted. I'd like to know how you'd sum up those interactions. If they didn't have a story, I'd be fine with it. Yeah? Yeah, I could just go and mess around with the world and do missions to my heart's content. Um, But the story does ultimately kind of connect things together. And 
I like the gang for the most part. I like mm-hmm. Dutch a lot, for example. I mean, even though I don't know much about him. Mm-hmm. And I know almost nothing about Arthur Morgan. Like, he's just a cipher, which, yeah. I mean, which is kind of the point, I guess. I'm just playing as this manly cowboy man. It's, it's very masculine. My my roommate was going, uh, who was a, a woman, was going, I feel this is a very masculine game. I'm feeling like I'm growing a beard just watching you play this game. <laughs> Uh, but in terms of consequence, uh, so Mike, our reviewer, yeah. who uh, we were talking about this on Slack, he said that he was making a lot of money mm-hmm. and like just he was doing tons of jobs, tons of jobs, getting lots of money. And the gang's going, oh, we need more money. We, we need a lot more money. It's like, mm-hmm, just I sitting on got it. all my money right here. Enough that he's paying off all of his bounties and everything. So in that respect, ultimately, at the end of the day, it has to be a game. You can't escape the gaminess of it. People are going to find things to do. And when I was playing, when I'm, I'm playing this through this open world, it occurred to me, like, getting back to the story of Knifey, uh, these characters are there to be trolled. Uh, yeah. When I, I was watching a Twitter video, like somebody shared a video clip of just a horse being on fire for no reason and yeah. a carriage shows up yep and then the ever all the horses start freaking out and somebody goes running away and another horse runs into the fire and burns and yes. you have this like charred hydra of dead burnt horse flesh i've yes. seen the same video yeah yeah that's that's red dead redemption or a rockstar game to a mm-hmm. t just uh, chaos building upon chaos building upon chaos. I have a lot of respect for the game for its ability to pull off a, a very enjoyable character-driven story that I, I've really liked and to still grant me tremendous agency. I don't quite know how they did that, but but it's I'd like to examine more carefully how that is working once, I, once I've finished well, the thing and done the epilogue. But. Well, it's relatively early in the game, but my, my feeling is just kind of, it does what a lot of RPGs do, which mm. is has a lot of side quests that form their own little stories that you can do but then it also gives you a lot of little side missions that are just jobs and mm-hmm. if you want to go fishing or hunting in the wilderness you can if you you want something a little more directed you can do that and then there's a through line as well that will take you from area to area and advance the story and this is like time honored kind of stuff that you've seen in Bioware games, yeah. uh, Witcher, you know, you know, you name it. This, this is very Witcher. It's a very RPG. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I mean, it has freaking crafting. You're an RPG. I mean, you're, you know everything about video games, but you're an RPG specialist. Yeah. And uh, that, that's that's one of your areas of genuine. And I wanted to ask you, uh, obviously, uh, genres exist so we can file things, right? They're, they're not real. Um, no, I, they're real to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> Coming from my the very end, first, I've... the very first uh, episode of Axe of the Blood God is what is an RPG? Yeah, because it feels like that's a question that we're constantly asking one ourselves. I, I and I think that that there's a lot of reasons for that. D and D feeds into that. Oh, I can. How about listen to the first episode of Axe of the Blood God and get yeah. that def- But they are genres largely do exist, so we can understand complex things simply, so we can find them and file them and, and market them for that matter. Is Red Dead Redemption two an RPG? No. Okay. Because an RPG is a game that is focused around character development mm. and, uh, you know, kind of telling a story and having an effect on your character. And yes, you can have an effect on your character and the appearance of your character, but Red Dead Redemption 2 is built around exploring this open world. Mm-hmm. It is an open world action game. Okay, first and foremost. First and foremost. Yes, it borrows a lot from the RPG genre. Mm-hmm. But I would never call it an RPG because, I mean, it doesn't even have like your kind of typical uh, points of progression that you would see in a lot of these games where you're like filling out a skill tree or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you're building, you're buying new items, you're getting new clothes, you're changing your hairstyle, but mostly you're interacting with the environment. Yeah, the way you change, I mean, stat increases are accomplished through stirrups and talismans and yes. things like that. You you can customize, but it's largely equipment-based customization like you'd find out a Zelda game, mm-hmm. for example. Um I've been thinking a lot about uh, Suikoden 2 is one of my all-time favorite RPGs. Good choice. And, uh, oh, it's a great game. And you should listen to our Top 25 RPG podcast on Axe of the Blood God because we're doing a... That's what we're doing. We're doing episode by episode and we're down to like number 11 and 
Spoiler alert, and Suikoden 2 may be on this list. It better. If it's not, I'm, it I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, that's my gosh, a, that's, Jared. That's so imperious. Whoa, Jared. It's like, it better you're be. You're normally, like, the nicest, like, <laughs> like this teddy bear, and then I just said, oh, it might be on this list. It better. <laughs> I was teaching in a Sony factory in Minokamo one night many years ago, and about 10 minutes into the lesson, uh, one of the students brought up Suikoden 2, and that was the end of the lesson really for the next hour it was just myself and and several japanese students talking jrpgs for the rest of the night uh, and mutual love of them that was a good discussion yeah. uh, i don't think they got their money's worth that evening sounds like delight yeah we had a really good time <laughs> dragon quest 5 versus weekend what did we think of the this weekend three systems it was great so when i think of red dead redemption 2 i think about the original red a moment in the original red dead redemption which gave me a lasting fear of going on train tracks in this game <laughs> which was i was always trying to get the best horses and for a yeah. while i didn't know that i could just resummon a horse whenever i wanted and so i was very like afraid of saying my horse getting eaten by a wild cat and at one point I messed up and I'm trying to summon my horse and there's a train coming on the train tracks and I'm trying to get it off the train and it did not get across and it exploded. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. Like yes. actually just... Yes, the train hit it and it went... I have not seen a horse explode. And I just like lost my mind yeah. and so did everybody else who was watching. And so now when I'm playing Red Dead Redemption 2, I'm like, okay, horse, stay away from the train tracks. And there's... There may be a moment where you are actually a mission that involves train tracks. Okay. And I was like, oh, God, it's my greatest fear. It's my greatest fear. Because have you lost a horse yet? I've not lost a horse, thank God. once they're gone, they're gone. Yeah, That's I've got the... Tennessee Whiskey, the horse still. Yeah, yeah. And which I imagine that at some point this horse will meet a horrible end, which is another bit of kind of storytelling, right? Yeah. You get a, a, say, if I were playing Witcher 3, there's always another roach. But if I'm playing this game, I will be like, oh, Tennessee Whiskey, good day. And then one day I'll have another horse and maybe I'll name them something like the Minnesota Vikings. I don't know. And then I'll be like, oh, Minnesota Vikings, you were a good horse. And then you died in the playoffs. Yeah. So, <laughs> that'd be typical. Yeah, Absolutely. that'd be pretty typical. So I, that, But that to me is like that kind of emergent storytelling yeah. that appears all the time in Red Dead. And there, and another thing about consequences, the thing that really differs, separates Red Dead from, I don't know, Witcher, which I'm going to ceaselessly compare it to. Oh, I think that's a valid so comparison. When I'm playing these open world RPGs, I'm so used to playing, being good. And I'm just like a, I want to be good. I don't want to hurt people. I don't want to be evil. And it's such a mind, like at one point I was walking around in the world of Red Dead Redemption 2 and I was like, Oh, right. I'm evil. Yeah. Oh, and that's such a shift in mindset of, oh, I should be robbing these people. Yeah. Oh, I probably should be killing these people. There is this marvelous moment where I'm having a fight with somebody and it was getting out of control and they were beating the living daylights out of me. And I pull out my gun and I'm on my back and I went, bam. And he like goes down and I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. That. That was intense and violent. And then somebody saw me and started yeah. running away. And I turned around and went, bam, bam. And then they're down. And it was, you want to talk about visceral. Like yeah. That was a really kind of visceral moment. Because it's funny because I think the gunplay in Red Dead Redemption 2 is not actually that good. It's well, actually really bad. I think that it's, I, I'm not going to make excuses for the design on it. Mm. But I do think there are moments, particularly with those close-up encounters, where that that kind of, maybe intentional sloppiness plays to the sense of visceral violence where so in a real gunfight people are not john wicking around yeah. they're blazing away and blasting and hope they hit something and a fist fight in red dead particularly when you're taken by surprise is dangerous enough but when you know knifey comes out or when the gun comes out it's suddenly somebody just their head disintegrates in front of you in a sudden blast and these characters are not hit point bags they, they no. pop like hit balloons when you shoot them and <laughs> and and so there and then there are lasting consequences where yeah. there is a bounty on you and people will go looking for you so but i i mentioned the guy that i was walking after i'm so used to in rpgs you know like the npc's not really reacting like yeah. i'll brush past them they'll go huh? yeah. and so for him to suddenly freak out and start running away yeah. was 
surprising. And you chose to kill him instead of intimidating him or to try I to... I could have done that, but, but I was still kind of getting used to the controls. And you're the bad guy. Like you yeah. said, you wanted to be the bad guy. I don't want to leave these people dead in the wilderness, and it feels... Whenever I kill somebody, I get this Metal Gear Solid feeling of, I failed, right? Oh, really? Yeah, like I don't want to kill people, but the game is going, no. It's kind of like in GTA. If you drive, if you obey all traffic laws, the game, the world becomes inert and you can't really yeah. advance. I, I've had, I've actually been pretty fortunate playing. Um, I've been playing as White Hat as the game will let me that I can figure out, and Which it you has can. proved you can pretty have rewarding. Your moments of, you know, um, you can have your moments of honor. Yeah, I, and and sometimes it's come back to bite me, but sometimes it also they they built in rewards, and they're not always overt. Like here, have this gold bar, nice man. Like. Some of these things take hours to manifest themselves. And I've also appreciated that because I keep hoping someday Rockstar is going to make a game where I play as a good guy. Mm. I would love that. It's I, just not their MO, though. I know. I, no. I want to see them. But this one comes the, the, closer the, to that than anything they've done. And the I whole like point of Rockstar is the allure of being the outlaw. I agree. And whether it's in the modern day with GTA or in the wild, wild west with Red Dead Redemption... You're the you're the outlaw. You're the bad guy. You could be, and you can choose to be how bad you want to be. You can be yeah. a mad dog killer if you want. I could go and I could just be a straight up serial killer, following people into their houses with knifey, <laughs> or I could be, I could be, you know, the honorable kind of white hat Robin Hood type. I'm keeping you out of my kitchen. All this knife talk. <laughs> it does worry me a bit. Hey, you ma- they gave me the butcher knife. <laughs> it just appeared in my hand. I don't know what happened. So you mentioned being followed, and I think that's going to make a good transition. We asked the uh, the Red Dead Radio community for their stories of emergent gameplay, and boy, did we get some. We got so many that there is, in fact, no way I'm going to be able to read nearly all of them. But I am going to read a few, and we'll read some more on the next episode. So let's let's start working through these and see what we discover here. Ooh, I'm looking forward right. to it. So this one reminded me, we're talking about being followed. Here's an emergent gameplay moment. These spoilers will be very minor. They're just based on things that can happen to you, and we're not going to dig into story. But I do want to give you that heads up, viewers. This one's from Austin. I had to share this one. On my way dealing with the first bounty in the game, I ran across some random guy's yard on foot, heading toward the gorge. His dog started following me and was snarling and barking like crazy. And his owner was following the dog, also yelling and barking at me for stepping on his property. I diffused the situation as a stranger easy enough, but his dog just kept following me. I don't like where this story is going. And because the dog followed, the stranger followed as well, worried about his dog. For a good three minutes, I walked while screaming scat and scram at the dog, and it just followed me growling. The whole way, and so the stranger followed suit behind the dog. I came to the door gorge, and the dog was still following me. So I attempted to serpentine through some rocks down the hill. The dog tried to follow, and then I heard a yip followed by a sad thud. Oh no! The dog had lost its footing near the edge of the gorge and fell into the canyon oh to its death. The stranger cried out and immediately blamed me and started to chase after me. Fed up, I let him come down, put my fists up, and I laid him out on the side of the gorge. That's wild. I couldn't believe how random and ridiculous a moment it was on my way to such an early mission, but I'll always remember it. That's that's remarkable, actually, because the fact that the dog died from some kind of weird accident of, Mm -hmm. I don't know, physics or something like that, or just environmental pathing. So many other games, the dog would just fall off the cliff and maybe be at the bottom, and you'd be like, hey, look, there's a dog at the bottom of the cliff, and the guy would be, like, spinning around or something. Yeah. And instead, there were multiple levels, right, where they were following you, and then the dog died, and then the AI or the scripting or whatever they were doing knew enough that it just turned around and was like, first of all, the fact that he was sad that his dog died. Yeah. And then second of all, that he blamed you. Right. That's crazy. I love it. I have never seen anything like that in a game before. I haven't either. I can't think of an instance. It's like some Dwarf Fortress stuff, except more personal. Like, it's it's really nuts. It's net hack levels of of involvement going on there, but in the AAA game. Well, it's sort of the the developer thinks of everything kind of thing. But you don't often see that in an open world game. No. Which is why I was saying, this is why I'm digging it, is that... 
there are moments where I'm like having my immersion broken and it feels like my immersion is constantly being broken in a lot of open world games. I have a theory about the design document for Red Dead Redemption 2. I can't prove this, but I think if you go into the the Rockstar Holocron uh, <laughs> and you find the giant notebook that's this thick, the big binder full, if you open it to the first page, it just says Shenmue, comma, but good. Um, I, uh, I think that might be what Yeah, it's called going. Yakuza. Okay, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That's a good point, too. Yeah. But that idea of somebody experimenting with creating a world. Um, yes. Were you at the GDC conference a couple of years ago where the, the devs were talking about um, putting Shenmue together? Oh, yeah. The, the, Yu Suzuki yeah. was doing his uh, classic game postmortem about... Yep, I was definitely in the audience for that. And it was a very interesting discussion because it... Uh, it showed how much development techniques have changed and how much tools have changed and how they were crafting, handcrafting every last aspect of that world mm-hmm. and which is a consequence the world was actually pretty small and they yeah. couldn't really do any actual game design and that kind of thing. So, and that yeah. led to a very interesting experiment, succeeded or failed. I think it depends on who you ask. Uh, I like Shenmue, even though it's a pain, but... A lot of people do. Yeah. Where do you fall on it? I'm curious. I don't like it. Yeah. I feel like Red Dead Redemption 2 is Shenmue, but good. I don't Um, like games that waste my time. Yeah. Well, Shenmue's good at that. Uh, Don't you want to go to work? No. I mean, no. I don't want to drive a forklift. (laughs) Don't want to drive the forklift? Oh, I'm going to get so much hate mail now for being like, oh, Shenmue. You you hate Shenmue. You must hate video games. No. A lot of people don't like Shenmue. You know what? Chrono Cross has too many characters. I'm sorry. I just, I can't do Shenmue. It's all right. I don't think anybody's going to hold that against. Well, I'm sure somebody will. Oh, time, somebody's but. holding against me That's right now. That's true. That's a very good point. Before we I can... respect Shenmue. There we go. You just don't want to play it. I just don't want to play it. Before we move on, I want to give a word from our sponsor here because we're pretty far into the episode, and these kind folks decided to sponsor us. So I Hello, thank sponsor. Them. Thank you. Yes, we're sponsored by Prof and Dev. Prof, Prof and Dev play games. Prof and Dev. Yes, indeed. I don't know Prof or Dev. Okay. But they've chosen to sponsor our show. And so Prof and Dev Play Games is a weekly video game podcast that posts on podcast services around the globe every Monday morning. Grinding out side quests in Assassin's Creed, watching a loading screen after getting kicked in the head by a horse in Red Dead 2, (laughs) replaying Breath of the Wild for the 13th time. Oh, wow. That's a lot of times to play Breath of the Wild. Uh, I mean, even with the speed running, that would still take a... a, Have you ever tried the speed run where you just go straight from the Great Plateau to Ganon? No, I've watched people do that, and it's really amazing. I'm not that good at video games. Um... Also, well, you, you better just stop right now. Yeah. Do you like the speed running? Oh, not really. I'm not really. A speed but runner. my my roommate does love speed running. Actually, yeah. he's constantly watching speed runs of especially Mario and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, but yeah. Uh, but when somebody beat Mario one, he was very excited recently because they broke the world record. But oh, I love yeah, that. Yeah. But I've seen the Breath of the Wild stuff is so insane that the way they've manipulated oh, the, the physics engine that the, yeah, being thrown over things. And I love when games. I don't know if Prof and Dev Play Games talk about speedrunning, but I'd like to find out. And you could find out, too, by going there. And the Prof and Dev would make a great companion for all your gaming journeys. The Dev is an industry veteran game developer who Ooh. left the AAA lifestyle for the indie scene. And the Prof is an English professor who has a passion for video games. Friends since high school, Prof and Dev discuss the week's newsiest news, dissect the games they're playing, and cavort in all the best ways. I do, do love a good cavorting. Mm. Also, also some chicanery occasionally. <laughs> oh, and they also give out game keys during the podcast. Aha! That's the secret. There you go. Join Prof and Dev Play Games Monday mornings wherever you get your podcast. That's Prof, P-R-O-F, and Dev, D-E-V, Play Games. And you get that every Monday morning wherever you get your podcasts. Anyway, so there's, there's, thank you for sponsoring us. So if you'd like to sponsor Red Dead Radio, you can do that by contacting me at mail at reddeadradio.com. Also, if you just want to uh, tell us stories about things that are happening to you in Red Dead Radio, you can do that just like Josh did. Dear Jared and Kat. Hi. I'm adding Ann Kat because he didn't know you were here. Now he knows. He should know. As I was traveling to the city of Saint-Denis or Saint-Denis or how are we going to say it? I have no idea. I don't know either. I found myself overcome by a fog. As I kept trotting along on top of my faithful gray speckled thoroughbred Silverado, I found my horse becoming more and more unnerved. I tried to calm her, but eventually her fright grew so strong she dethroned me from her back and I landed face down in the mud. 
As I went to retrieve the poor girl, I happened upon a corpse hung from a tree. The poor soul, he must have been a fellow outlaw that was lynched after luck ran out and time caught up. After taking a minute to pay my respects, I shot the rope so that I could loot his corpse. (laughs) After all, he wouldn't be needing anything from this world in the afterlife. So not looting him would have actually been wasteful if you think about it. Just as I did that, I was ambushed by three macabre gentlemen that legitimately scared me to death in the fog. I took the first down instinctively with my knife. There we are. Knifey. Knifey. Excellent. And the other two faced my wrath of dual pistols that I've named Contrition and Penance. Oh, my gosh. After I fell, my... Those are names. (laughs) That's amazing. Were you drawn by Todd McFarlane? Are you in Overwatch? (laughs) Do you go by the name... Reaver. Necrid. <laughs> See, after I felled my... I, I think it's awesome. After I felled my assa- uh, assailers and loot, assailants and looted their corpses, I took one last look at the man I found hanging from a tree and wondered if maybe he'd been an innocent that had wandered into the wrong part of the swamp. After pondering for a moment, I remounted my horse and continued on my journey. Now, this is the same guy that wrote it's another story I'm going to read in the next episode. Ooh. I'm just going to tease that one by uh, saying that uh, he calls it a revenant reenactment. His other. Uh, uh, yes, you know, moment. somebody else mentioned that it reminded them very much of the revenant, especially the early part of the game. Well, you know, when Red Dead Radio started, you mentioned Hateful Eight. We've heard that. Um, yep. Obviously, the revenants come up. Many, many other. Um, we the first few episodes of the show were about movies that influenced Red Dead One. The murder of Jesse James and by the coward Robert Ford. Ooh, expound. Um, well, I was talking about how I had that moment when I was down on the ground shooting the guy, and then I turned and shot the other guy. That mm-hmm. felt like a very um, assassination of Jesse James moment because there's a scene that I will always remember where somebody comes bursting into a bedroom, and then there's this huge gunfight, but nobody's hitting one another because it yeah. turns out that shooting guns is hard in real life. Mm-hmm. And then they're walking up to one another while one is on the ground and the other is standing and they're shooting at one another. And finally one gets a lucky point blank uh, shot hit yeah. and takes the other one out. And that was a little bit like that in Red Dead Redemption 2. Now Red Dead Redemption 2 has a ton of auto aiming and that kind of thing. But that moment when I was on the ground and I shot... Mm-hmm. And it felt so, I don't know, dynamic. It was really interesting. Yeah, guns in real life. I, I've I've only had a gun pointed at me a couple of times, and thankfully nobody pulled the trigger. You and had a gun pointed at you? Twice. Yeah. Um, it's been it's been a weird life. Um, yeah, just a little bit. Anyway. Yeah, there's also been there were also two different shootouts in my yard growing up too. I, I I've lived a strange existence. Um, Okay, so you're secretly a superhero. Go no, on. No, not at all. I, I I was unarmed in all these situations and terrified in all of them as well. Are there the, bounties on you? Except the one I slept from. through. Um, one of the four I slept through. Uh, th- these are stories for another day. Anyway, okay. um, but uh, yeah, guns are frightening and scary and horrible. But gen- generally speaking, uh, statistically, uh, most people that have broken it down, if you look at like, I think it's John Keegan, talks about for every bullet it takes about a hundred bullets fired more to hit anybody yeah to score one hit well a lot of uh, for a long time soldiers just weren't firing period yeah like they're just pointing their gun and nothing was happening just closing their eyes and pulling the trigger and not realizing the gun wasn't going on and this uh became something now now they do fire because they're much better trained and they're not conscripts anymore (laughs) there's that yeah and there's not black smoke covering every battlefield anymore yes exactly that's something about, again, Keegan, I think, talked about, or no, that was Bernard Cornwell at Waterloo. Like, once you fired off that first volley of black powder, there's just l- giant fog surrounded you, and you couldn't see the guys you were shooting at anymore. So you're just shooting kind of randomly at point-blank range until somebody bayonets you? Yes. Sounds lovely. Yeah, let's not have wars anymore. Those are bad. Sure. Yeah. Uh, one thing I just want to add is that the decision to set this in, it's in Colorado, right? I'm not crazy. What the, in the, Red Dead Redemption Two is set in Colorado? Uh, Colorado esque. I mean, the, the northeast part of the map is kind of Kentucky ish and West Virginia. It was a good decision. And south is Louisiana, and then most of it feels like Colorado to me. I'm really glad that they didn't go for the the kind of desert look. Yeah. Um, in this one, um, my friend, we were talking, and he was like, "Yeah, I really like really dug the original Red Dead Redemption because it was set in Arizona where I grew up, and then the second one was set in Colorado where I spent eight years of my life. So it's kind of like the one two punch of of everything, and I think just the change of scenery and the the different looks and the different environments 
that away from the kind of more stereotypical look of a Western mm-hmm. has really helped it. I think that it's they very lush. deliberately front-loaded the lushness of the game. Well, it's all lush, period. But uh, that's a big map, is all I'm going to say. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, uh, that southwestern corner is still out there. Um, uh, there's a lot of map. But, <laughs> uh, it, but it, it's ceaselessly lush and it does have a colorado vibe i mean the grizzlies are the rockies i mean you stand there in the mountains to start right it's freaking beautiful yeah you grew up in minnesota i did uh in in the american midwest was coming out to the far west weird for you the the way that the land changes like after 50 miles here yes uh but just in the sense of uh the trees are different Mm -hmm. and in minnesota the sky is closer to the ground it feels like and uh, the air smells different. Um, in Minnesota, everything is very fresh and piney, and you can smell the fresh air everywhere. Um, and uh, there are a lot of different, like a lot of other differences uh, yeah. that I notice whenever I go home. So when I'm in rural California, I think the smell can often be very pleasant. When I'm in San Francisco, it just smells like ass and taters. It's... I don't know. When I get off the airplane after being away for a while, I smell the sea. Mm, that's cool. That was the first thing I smelled when I got off the plane at SFO um, after moving here um, from Minnesota was uh, the smell of the ocean. Hmm. Now I'm just happy. I like the smell of the ocean. All right, we're going to read Stephen's email here. Stephen says, here are a couple of stories from my time with the game so far. I'm having the time of my life. After one of the story-related hunting missions, I decided to stay out and try my hand some more. I tracked some elk, singled one out, and scored a perfect headshot with a bow on one. I was quite proud of myself, so I sat for a moment admiring the clean kill before all of a sudden I'm flying down the hill. A small ram had stealthily come up behind me and headbutted me. I can only assume he'd been quite friendly with the elk and was sad to have lost his friend, so I did not bother getting revenge on the little guy. Have you been ambushed by an animal yet? I have not been ambushed by an animal. I mean, in the original Red Dead Redemption, there were always wildcats waiting to kind of take me out. Um, There's this moment uh, where you see bears, and I was just like, ooh, that's scary. Yeah. The wildcats are out there. Yeah. Uh, I I was sniping a camp of O'Driscoll's, and I thought I was being clever. So I climbed up this big, high bear rock. And you know how the sound engineering is so great. So you usually can hear things coming through the brush, or you'll hear the leaves or hear the growl. Well, I'm on a rock, and when you walk on rock, you can't see tracks, first off, when you're on a rock. And it doesn't make any sound, really, when you walk on it. So I'm up there focusing on my scope. A mountain lion, like I'm just looking through my scope and the screen turns gray and backs out and my head is in a mountain lion's jaws. Um, oh my gosh. It had snuck up on me on the oh, rock because wow. it saw I had my back turned and I didn't know it was there till I was dead. Oh my God. It just ate my head immediately. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was okay. really rad. <laughs> That's ridiculous. It's great. We're actually doing a, a list of the, I, I believe it's the deadliest animals uh, in Red Dead Redemption 2 ranked. So please look forward to that later this week. Uh, I would I would vote for Mountain Lion um, or Wildcat. Uh, well, uh, how about this? He's, not, he's the only one that's managed to truly sneak up on me. Um, well, there's a lot of deadly animals out there, though. What, what have you had trouble with? I've not had any trouble with animals yet because yeah. I've been spending a lot of time in town or on okay. train tracks dealing with people. Um, I've had trouble with large, bald, drunken men in this game <laughs> who well, want to fight me in the street, and I'm getting punched in the mouth in the in the mud. So far, no animals, thank you, thanks, thankfully. But I know that moment is coming, and... Uh, poor Tennessee whiskey is going to end up on in a ditch on fire or something. So yeah, but then you get to name your own horse. I and mean, that's you, true. You but I'm going to miss notes. Tennessee whiskey. It's yeah. a good horse. Tennessee whiskey. I have Zach Ryan right now and glue. Um, so our um, one of our writers, Nadia Oxford, was saying that she kind of sees Red Dead Redemption Two as secretly being a little like Barbie horse adventure, where <laughs> you can just mess around raising your horses. Uh, brushing them. I can totally imagine a 10-year-old girl playing this under heavy supervision with their Mm -hmm. parents. It's like, okay, you can play with your horse and you can ride around with them and just ignore all of those mean people. And I pray that that's the unannounced mobile spinoff. Oh, no. Oh, God. Amazing. Can you imagine the backlash to that? Red Dead Redemption 2 horse... uh, Wait, wait, I don't know. Red, Red Dead Barbie horse adventure? Yeah, Red Dead Barbie horse adventure. Red Barbie horse adventure? Would play. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or Red Barber's Brooklyn Dodgers horse adventure. I there you go. That too. Um, from Bobby, last night I had a rage quit moment. 
I used the fast travel to head up to the Grizzly to complete, or to head up to the Grizzly to complete the Gunslinger's picture mission. While I was there, I did a lot of hunting. I got a perfect elk buck, two perfect wolf pelts, three non-perfect wolves. Wow, wow. He's, he's really proud. He's got a long See, list here. See, this is a very RPG thing. Yeah. I, I might. You want to talk about like taking RPG stuff, saying like non-perfect wolf pelts and yeah. perfect blankly blank. Yes, having the quality. Well, you got to have those perfect so you can craft those satchels. Yeah. I mean. Now, I, I don't, I, I don't know. Either I'm not going to engage with the crafting at all, mm -hmm. or I'm going to end up getting completely lost in the crafting. You'll never see me again. Explosive bullets. So Fallout Four, very, very into the crafting. Other games, not as much. It, I, to get into crafting, I have to go to the crafting table, and if I see things that I can actually complete, I'll start getting into it. Okay. If I walk up and I see that there's like I have none of the ingredients and I can't complete anything, I'll just ignore it and go away forever. Homing tomahawk. Okay. I mean, that sounds kind of dumb. I'm not going to lie. Homing tomahawk. But the exploding bullets sound yeah, fun. Exploding bullets are great. <laughs> but, uh, no, you're right. I, and it is. there's so much out there. You can't craft everything unless you're going to play this as a 400-hour game. I think you can focus on what you're gonna, what you're gonna craft. I've tended to focus on, hey, I want satchels, so I do a lot of hunting, because I want perfect uh, skins to make my satchels. I don't know if I'm gonna do a lot of hunting in this game. Then you probably should focus your crafting on things like exploding bullets. I mean, I may end up in the woods, but I just, I'm not the. I'm not typically the kind of person who would go out s deliberately seeking game. Yeah. I mean, maybe it'll happen, but it would be something very natural where I just happen to be in the woods and I start seeing animals, so I just start pulling out my bow and going after them. So you're spending your time in town. You're interacting with people. Yes. You're going to the city. I'm taking on missions. Yeah. Okay. I'm playing poker. I play a lot of poker. I'm with yeah. you there. I've enjoyed dominoes more than I thought I would. Really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't think I would, but... There's so many variants of dominoes in this game. It's weird. I, I didn't know there were so many different ways to play dominoes. I guess there are. Yeah, or to wager. The more you know. That matter. The more you know, indeed. Well, anyway, Bobby's on his way back to camp, the second camp near Rhodes. And I stopped by a stranger mission, the fishermen, immediately after the bounty hunters, uh, or there were bounty hunters on the ridge waiting for me. I decided to flee with all my pelts, and that was mistake number one. They shot Lady out from under me. Oh, no. And they killed me as I tried to revive her. So I tried to revert saves, but everything was God. Rage quit and shooed, ensued, pardon me, with me pissed at the game. All day at work, I was thinking about this, and I had an epiphany. I wasn't mad at the game. I rage quit because I was mad at myself. I could have easily killed the bounty hunters, but because I chose to flee to have those pelts, I lost all that time. Plus, I should have manual saved, knowing I had such a long journey back yeah. with merchandise. Uh, save often, save early, save often, the mantra of the adventure game. Indeed, I'm with you there. Yeah, save early, save often, because you never know when you're going to need that piece of glass to deflect the laser in Space Quest. And, and there have been plenty that. of times where I've been going back to base laden with tons of tons of materials. Uh, when I was playing Elite Dangerous several years ago, Ooh. and I'm heading into a space dock, and docking can be actually fairly tough in that game, mm -hmm. and... I think I forgot to request clearance to land, which I've done from occasion. If you get too close, if you try to enter without requesting clearance, uh, you'll start getting a warning yeah. to get out or you'll be shot. Yep. And that's exactly what happened to me. And unfortunately, because it's this tiny little slot, I, you know, panic ensued. I ran into the wall, explode, lost all of the uh, cargo that I had spent all of my money buying. Are you? Did you ever fall into the clutches of Eve? No, thank God. Okay, Eve strikes me as something you could get into. I know. That's why I'm never playing it. Yeah, uh, it's I, escape. <laughs> I have too much time. I, I I need to live my life. I'm an Eve escapee. Yeah. Um, Congratulations. Is... <laughs> Welcome back to the real world. <laughs> it is. It's, it's like getting out of Scientology. It's, yeah, it's... <laughs> uh, escaping from Eve online. Except unlike Scientology, Eve is fun. <laughs> <laughs> But, oh my gosh. It is a pyramid scheme, too, though. Is it? I, I, I mean, EVE Online, I'm, okay, it's not a pyramid scheme, but it is going to suck up a lot of your money. Your life, yeah. yeah. And we're talking about this because in EVE, famously, if you don't play the game, uh, when you lose stuff, you lose a lot. Um, the save points are... Yeah. They're expensive, they're rare, and so when you lose your ship, it's just gone forever. And people want you to lose your ship because yeah. they're coming after you. They're because it's human beings you need to fear in those games. Yeah, did you ever play, um, oh, now I'm forgetting, the Urban Dead? 
Yeah. That's another one I loved. It was a zombie game, a browser-based zombie game, still around, where everybody, zombies and survivors, are human. Thousands and thousands of... And so you play as a human until another human or a zombie kills you, and then you're a zombie. Oh, sounds fun. Yeah, it's a, it's a really neat little, and it's an action point based thing. Uh, that strikes me as a watch out for that one because you really only have to play about five minutes a day, and then you can't anymore till the next day. And all you think about is what you're going to do the next day. Oh. Okay, now I'm just rambling about old games instead of talking about Red Dead. <sighs> I could be reading other people's messages here. I should probably do. That. Here's a couple of complaints people have had, okay, uh, or issues they've had. Josh says, Jared, I've been playing Red Dead Two since launch. I love the game. Love the graphics, story, and characters. My biggest complaint, though, is that Arthur Morgan just walks around too slowly. You think? I, I love the slow pacing of the game as opposed to the breakneck pace of GTA V. But Arthur needs to walk around faster. It's a minor complaint, but as a father of four and a grandfather of one, all who live with me, a little more pep in Arthur's step would help me tremendously. Other than that, the game gets a 10 out of 10 from me so far. Oh, I mean, that's... I suppose you're not wrong. Um... Yeah. He does move a little slowly. That's mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have anything more to add except maybe press X to run. Oh, I, I like Arthur's gravity. I gotta like his plod. Um, but mm. I can understand somebody. And when you get so used in video games to f- zipping. Yeah. But I feel like if you zipped in this game, everything else moves so slowly that you just look weird. I mean, you look weird anyway a lot of the time. I mean, you're bad. like bumping into people with your horse and stuff. My, one of my favorite videos is somebody punched a horse and then the horse kicked them. And I just thought of <laughs> Mongo from Blazing Saddles. Mongo's only pawn. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, here's another one. Um, hey, Jared, I've been binging on Red Dead for the last few days. I'm really loving the game so far. Uh, since the realism of the game is an integral part of what makes it so special and immersive, I'm always shocked when something strikes me as non-realistic in the game. The example that stands out most to me personally was when I robbed a guy who just won every round of dominoes, and hence, the $4 pot at the end, as I suspected him of cheating, only to find that he only had a dollar on him. I was fully expecting to get the $4 at least, but given how this game deals with realism and consistency, especially in details, and I was very surprised this happened. Just wondered whether you'd had any such moments yourself, and if so, what they are. Big fan of the show. Keep up your great work. Cheers from Grant. I, I remember now. I was going to intimidate the guy with my gun. I was going to rob him, but I accidentally stabbed him because knifey, you know, knifey must be fed. Okay. <laughs> I think we need a shirt. This is knifey must be fed. You just yes. wear that around. That's kind of great. Yeah. Let's to GDC next year, see what happens, you know? <laughs> yeah, so I, I think I wanted to kind of strangle him a little bit and then get up and point my gun at him or something. I don't yeah. know. Um, but instead, I ended up stabbing him a lot, and that was embarrassing. So, so sometimes we do have those accidental moments where the yeah. medicine breaks for yeah, I, or that, or when I was in the fist fight and I shot the guy. I did not intend for it to go to that point. I just wanted to fight him, but I also didn't want to reload. Okay, that makes sense. Now I haven't had too many of those breaks, but I know they're there. I haven't been looking for them very much, and I really odd. I, I'm it, you know, I run a show about this game. I'm going to play hundreds of hours of it. I'm sure I'll have some more to dissect there soon now we're going to read a lot more of these on the next episode because you all send us some great ones but i want to save some for that we're very careful about spoilers here but we're getting to the end of the episode and we are going to talk uh very quickly about one fun little thing just a quick tease uh and that comes off this final message that i have here oh or my phone could start ringing in the middle of the show because i forgot to mute it beforehand this is what editing's for this is what it is for. Hi, hello. So we're always very careful about spoilers here at Red Dead Radio, and we've been very except for me. I, I just love to spoil everything. Nonsense! Uh, you're, you're I great. did it the first minute. Yes, but we bleeped it out, so no one knows. Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah. that's fair. Yeah, but we're going to talk about what you talked about there at the beginning. So right. stick around. If you stuck around, you get to hear about this. This is a this is a letter from Hampus, uh, and this kind of kind of tease some of the stuff we're going to talk about in the next episode. But hey, first off, really like the show. Great job. In the last episode, you talked about this eerie feeling of being watched in the game and then said there's a reason for that. I felt this exact same thing and I can't figure out why. Is it something that explained in the story? Because I need to know. It's kind of creeping me out. So, Kat, we were talking in the last episode about how Red Dead is very good at making you feel watched, especially when you're alone in the woods. Yeah. Um, and some of that's great sound design and great environmental storytelling. and But... 
there is a little more to it than that, too, uh, concretely. Have, have you stumbled onto any of this? Nope. Okay, well, uh, Rockstar loves their UFOs. Why? Uh, I don't know. Because it's funny? I, maybe because it's funny. Maybe because it lets them use UF, you know, alien they do assets. They Fallout as well. Yeah, that's true. There's always, There's always aliens, and you always get the alien blaster. Well, I mean, maybe that's the tradition. So you can just go and have that bodacious weapon. Because then you can have the cheat code for Endless Alien Blaster. There's at least one GTA where you go to Area 51, right? Uh, yes, that's in Was that G- GTA San Andreas. San Andreas, yeah. San Andreas area. And GTA 5 has all the alien stuff hidden all over. But my, I kid you not, my very first night like with this game, maybe the first, second, right after I started playing it, I used to do guide writing. And you know how that is. You're just sticking yes. your nose everywhere when you got an early copy of a game trying to find stuff. And I came upon this, like, Effectively, this old shed in the middle of the woods where a bunch of people are laid out kind of Heaven's Gate style. Ooh. Yeah, they're they're skeletons. They're all dead, but it's obvious this is a mass cult suicide. Creepy. Laid out on beds. There's like a high priest at the table. They're all dead and desiccated and rotted away. And mm. there's a note explaining that they were taken by their god uh, and that they will return. Oh. But in the note, there are some things that infer. And I was like, well, why not? So Red Dead has a moon cycle. And there's a thing really? in there about a half moon. So okay. if you wait long enough, you can show up at 2 a.m. on a half moon at that little shed. Um, if you're willing to hang out and do that and silly like me and lucky and that, that I just happen to be very close to a half moon cycle. So I go in there and I head for the shed. Nothing. I'm like, oh, I'm too early or it's I just guessed wrong. But the moment you walk, you see nothing from outside. The moment you walk in, green light bathes the inside of the shed. And there's a sound. And you look up and you can't quite see anything. And if you go outside, it vanishes. So fortunately, like we said earlier, did the save point. Come back. Reset the save point. Come back in and learn. This time, I look around. Nothing outside. The moment you go in, switch to first person mode. Look up. There's lots of holes in the ceiling. And you can see clear as day a flying saucer. circling above you bathing you in light wow uh and if you back out of the building fast enough and look up you'll see it clearly like take off into the sky so that's are they who's watching you i don't know but Uh, cow kidnapping cows something something with the probe yeah i don't know something with the probe (laughs) it's it's to introduce in the knifey I mean, they're just having a lot of fun with it, and this is where you can really see the connections to GTA with Red Dead. I was kind of sitting here wondering, oh, will Red Dead be able to appeal to people who really like GTA because GTA is founded on complete silliness? Mm -hmm. And it's just hard to imagine being able to be super silly without, I don't know, a car that you can do like crazy jumps with or being able to do all the crazy stunts that you always see in GTA videos. But... I mean, we're, we're already seeing the in, huge number of insane moments. I was talking about horses being on fire, and also now there are UFOs. Yeah, there are UFOs um, and weird incidental things. I I crashed completely by accident into the back of a wagon, was thrown over it, and into perfectly, just perfectly into the bed of the wagon in front of me. <laughs> like, no, wasn't trying to do anything there. But just, and then like, and the guy's like, what's up, mister? Like, I landed on the back of his wagon. <laughs> Like, this is funny. Oh, hello. Hello there, son. Hello. Uh, yeah, it, it's adorable. Uh, by the way, there's a thing in that note about going to the top of Mount Shan where I found a monument, and it says in the year 2000 they're coming back, so maybe I should reset my PlayStation oh, clock. Sequel. Yeah, and there might, they might sequel come back. Sequel alert. Red Dead Redemption 4 is set uh, in Y2K. Excellent. Red Dead Y2K. Oh, remember when we were all scared of Y2K? Yes. Wow. That was I amazing. was never afraid of Y2K. You're brave. That's because I. I wasn't in tech. Ah, I was. Ah, there was you go. A, I was an IT guy during Y2K. Mm. That was a fun job. <laughs> My dad was the IT guy in the middle of Y2K. Ooh. Uh, yeah. did, was he it's worried? really exciting to talk about this. No, um, I I do, I, I would be amused if they made a modern day urban cowboy kind of game set in 2000. Was it the, the cowboy way? Like Woody Harrelson riding around? In the, in the sure, yeah. Okay. Good you know, that. man out of time. Yeah. John Marston, he didn't actually die at the end of the red, original Red Dead Redemption. He was actually teleported. He was to the teleported future. to the far future. I'd play that. It'd like, be like Futurama. Machete in space. But except it's in 2000. You know what? I, you sold me. If I had if I had $200 million, I would fund this game. All right. right. Now. Do it. Kat, I think that takes us to the end of the episode. Thank you for coming by. Uh, once again, 
that U.S. gamer um, writing writing the good things about the Vidya games, uh, and uh, you highlighted a lot at the beginning of the episode. But what should folks be looking out for specifically? Uh, sorry. What should folks be looking out for specifically? Oh, you should be definitely looking out for, as I already mentioned, the deadliest animals yep. in Red Dead Redemption Two. Um, I do plan next week to get into kind of deeper, more analytical territory. Like, yeah. right, we're we're trying to hit a lot of different angles right yep. now, but I feel like I've got a good, solid 2,500 words in me, 2,500, 3,000 words in me about this game. So Excellent. Let's see how this turns out. Well, thanks for sparing a few of those words for the show today. It means thank a lot. Uh, thank you for coming by. And once again, you're the cat bot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's you. The underscore cat bot. The underscore cat bot. And uh, uh, you want to check that out on Twitter, and I hope that you will. Please subscribe to Cat. She's always got something amusing to say. Axel the Blood God yeah. and US GamerNet is all of the Facebook and Twitter and all of that stuff. And yeah, there's still a lot more, quite a few more games coming out uh, in November. But of course, this is all Red Dead all the time around. Oh here. no, we talk about other games sometimes. Oh, really? And oh yeah, and for as for all Red Dead all the time, most of y'all are still playing through the early parts of this huge game. Right around the time you finish uh, should be when we're ready to do the Red Dead Redemption 2 spoiler cast. Don't worry, we're still being very careful around spoilers till then. We'll let you know uh, when you have to be careful. Uh, after the spoiler cast, you can expect that beta for online to start, and that's oh, when yeah, our that's... Games as a Service coverage will begin. It's going to be a lot of really interesting. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. See how that online mode. We have actually had some suggestions about what the beta could contain that I'm going to read the next show. So Ooh. I'm looking forward to that. All right, friends. Uh, thanks for supporting us. If you want to drop us a few bucks and get a bunch of exclusive content, uh, uh, you can do that by going to reddeadradio.com. They'll take it to my Patreon. And uh, $5 monthly subscribers there uh, get four exclusive episodes a month of weird stuff that I make. Uh, so if you really just want to hear me uh, rant about Halloween or esoteric ramblings on 3 a.m., that's the place to do it. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.